Welcome to the Lila Life Show. This is your host, Linda Andrews, and thank you so much for tuning in. With any episode that we have, whether it's a solo cast or a guest expert interview, my intention is for you to be able to anchor into yourself, to ground into yourself, and to explore, whether that's a new concept, an idea, whether something's intuitive in you going off, or there's just something that you hadn't thought of in a different way before. I hope you get to explore curiously, to sense make, and to activate something in yourself that you hadn't had activated. Enjoy today's show. As always, please like, share, subscribe, do the thing, and we hope to help support you consciously up-leveling in your life and business, the Leela way. In this special episode of the Leela Life's show, you have an opportunity to hear from myself and Dan Cruden, founder of the Danny AI app, where he's making financial planning uber accessible for you to have your own personalized financial pathway. So we geek out about our favorite things about finance, financial planning, starting. You'll hear some of my insights around beliefs and just what you can do to take your life, your finances to the next level. Prosperity is one of the main pillars of Leela life. And I thought you'd find this interview insightful. This is called Shining a Light in Wall Street South, which for those of you in the South Florida area is what's West Palm has been dubbed as, as a number of financial firms move down here. And I'd love to hear what you think. If you have follow-up questions, let me know and enjoy this episode. We've been working on a project called Danny. And over the last three months, I've been testing a hypothesis. We believe that we can empower the masses through on-demand financial planning. I thought I would talk about some of those conversations and dive into what we found interesting. If you don't mind, just introduce yourself and we'll go from there. Awesome. Thanks, Dan. It's awesome to be here. I'm Linda Andrews. I'm the CEO and founder of Leela Life, and I deliver what I call integrative advisory services, where I help emerging entrepreneurs in a special formula called the Leela Way. Leela means divine play in Sanskrit, a term I learned in my yoga teacher training years ago. It's all about consciousness, well-being, and prosperity for emerging entrepreneurs. Those are the pillars that I use. And I have a background in finance, was a college athlete, and love performance, and love well-being, and love money, and exploring these topics in a way that feels what I would say from a higher perspective, maybe, that's purpose-filled and helping us all live from our highest potential in life. I've been very open to just hearing what people say in response to our questions. There's a really interesting connection to finance and purpose. Outside of having the conversations I've had over the last three months, I wouldn't have realized it was such a strong connection. One of the questions I had, I was curious, do you have a financial plan was one of the questions I would ask. And the assumption that I had was people who have a really high level of income would be interested in having a plan or they would have a plan. People who maybe were just starting out or in that process of getting their income to increase would maybe not have a plan. The shocker in the conversations I had was that current income had no correlation to someone's desire for having a financial plan or a set of action steps to follow. Do you have any thoughts on, on that? 
Yeah, I find it curious. I think that to me, it's like personality type. So if you think of making a million or a hundred thousand or ten thousand in a year, let's just say, each of those people that could make those different amounts have different personalities, and some will be leaning towards planning, and others won't be. And it's the the saying "fly by the seat of your pants." right? It's like the planner all the way to like, oh, I'm just going to fly by the seat of my pants. People are all different. Just to assume an income level is going to equal a planner, I could see how it would be surprising. It would be obvious to be a planner with a high income level. In my mind, it also shows excess or like not excess, but inefficiency. Like you are making this high income level, but you don't have a plan would lead me to believe there's an opportunity to fix those where at the lower income levels, there's not as much inefficiency because there's not as much. But then to that point is even more reason to be so diligent in the planning. But personality and just natural ways of being would probably have a big influence in a person's desire to plan or not plan. Then limiting beliefs, another piece of this, can I even do it? self-worth like these are other factors that then play in that we could talk more about that's often very related to money yeah there was another piece that kind of followed on and connected to it and i i guess i was stunned to stumble into the idea that not every person i spoke to necessarily had a desire to prosper and mm. um <laughs> maybe if you want to unpack that or if you have any response to that yeah, I mean, I had lots of thoughts about the desire to prosper. One of the thoughts that comes to mind around the desire to prosper is what's even possible for a person. And so if you're surrounded in an environment where you have not seen prospering and the messages is that you're not able to prosper and often that's happening at a very young age, the belief about the ability to prosper may not even be something you've ever thought about before. If I look zoom way out at the world, probably the majority of people don't understand the opportunity to prosper. And there's real circumstance and reason why they may not have that accessible, including their environment and including that modeling. To me, it feels like a huge cycle. I love entrepreneurship. I love prosperity. That's one of the core tenets of the work that I do with people. But that ability to have belief that that's even possible is that starting spot. And so to say, oh, there's no desire to prosper, or very little desire to prosper, it, it, is it even a known possibility? And starting there of like, hey, hey, before you answer, I just want to let you know it's possible for you to prosper. Do you want to prosper? And then it's like, well, hey, maybe there's an education piece. What does prospering even mean? What, what needs to change? How can I show up differently? All along that journey is going to be a ton of belief work for each individual person that's based on their environment, their circumstance, their messaging. And that's without getting into society's programs in a big way. But I think there's a huge impact of what that message is to the masses. So there's two questions that I would ask that really tied into this. One question I would ask is, what does financial independence and what does financial freedom mean to you? And before we go into that, I would ask them just after that, I would say, where did you learn your financial habits from? And coming back to what you just said about the desire to prosper, mm -hmm. there was three answers that I got to that question about where did you learn your, your habits from? They would instantly go to, it was actually just pain. Like the idea of thinking about that immediately triggered pain of them mm -hmm. thinking about the arguments that their parents would have. 
And then the other response to that, that I thought was really telling of our country right now is mm -hmm. it was a black hole. I would say, where did you get your financial habits from? And almost seven out of 10 couldn't answer the question. It was totally wow. a black hole. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's like the, the, what, what you don't know, like, wait, what are we talking about? It, like that even being a possibility in the conscious framework. I love the work you're doing where you're bringing light, <laughs> like bringing so much of this to light to even start to talk through some of these concepts, understand that this is possibility, you know, financial freedom. To me, that's the freedom to do whatever you want, whenever you want to. The independence is to create that outside of or maybe in a way that feels most aligned to you outside of traditional structures. You could think of passive income and investments could also be through employment that you love. But I think of independence of getting off of whatever is dependent and freedom similar, but almost beyond independence. It's like a, the next layer to independence would be freedom in my mind. There was a different question you asked before that. Could you repeat exactly what they're learning about the term you use? Yes. So my question was, where did you learn your financial habits from? Financial habits. Yeah. It, the obvious answer for me, and I think most is family of origin. And again, getting back to those environments, I reflect and I would literally steal twenties from my brother. I was the quote unquote spender and he was the saver. We had allowance from really young and that was really strong messaging. I'm the spender. He's the saver. And there's just so much that over the years I had to unpack from that. And there became jokes, like I always had a natural leaning towards luxury from a young age. I love beauty, I love art, I love design. And so my purchasing choices in alignment with that would sometimes be more expensive. And I'd get, you know, feedback around those tastes that were not always the most empowering growing up. And then looking into my twenties and thirties and, you know, having to unpack those stories, I had to take some time to get out of consumer debt and really come to terms with my own money habits. And I could trace those threads back to childhood and growing up and see those messaging, see how shopping and, you know, spending quality time were often associated with some of my loved ones. And you pack at a young age, subconsciously can pack a lot of meaning into those experiences. And I could see that. And then the untethering of that throughout my own life. So yeah, I'm curious in those questions, around financial independence and financial freedom, what you saw as the distinction in those questions from your surveys. I started to see a mindset attached to each response. One of the things I realized is that in this accumulation phase, when we're going from where we are now to a point of having the ability to stop trading time for money if we want to. Yeah. So, there was three distinct mindsets in the surveys. The first mindset was what I'll describe as a paycheck to paycheck mindset. Mm -hmm. The second mindset that I began to see was a financial independence mindset. And then the third mindset that I came across was a financial freedom mindset. I started to zoom out and really just pay attention to the conversations I was having. And mm -hmm. I am a surfer. so. I started to put it into analogies that correlate to almost boating, surfing, and fishing. And so this paycheck to paycheck mindset was like a mindset where you're on a raft, you're at the mercy of the ocean. You're going to get tossed around 
at the will of the waves and the wind and you have no control. And then to run forward into the financial independence mindset is that person now the raft turns into a sailboat and they're able to raise the sail and start to catch the wind and they're given a compass. So that would be kind of the parallel. And then in the financial freedom mindset, I would say that they're now on a power boat and they're powering forward and there's other individuals in their boat that trust them. That was a picture that I started to see in terms of a personality and approach and then something I could correlate to tangibly. I love that. I think two things that get overlooked, one is financial trauma and the other is financial avoidance. And they feel very related to me. You're in the rowboat in the ocean, paycheck to paycheck. Financial avoidance often would equal <laughs> that. <laughs> the first step for anyone in any situation is seeing exactly where you are, having that awareness, understanding those habits and patterns, going through that. But what's okay, so we get the financial avoidance, maybe that's not as taboo. I actually think it really is still quite taboo. And that's the first step for anyone that wants to change their circumstances to overcome that avoidance piece. But the layer underneath that around financial trauma or trauma in general, and some of those deep impressions around money, especially at younger ages, that imprinted those habits and patterns, you may not need to understand and unearth every single aspect of that and trauma is often like a daunting thing to look at, right? But just seeing that, hey, there's a connection, there's some reason why I'm avoiding money or I have these habits and patterns and to have some in insight into what that is can be a really helpful exercise for a person. Now, where this caveat of importance is, <laughs> do you stay in the victim mindset of the trauma or do you step into the empowerment, the creation, and that forward momentum to either get into independence or to freedom? And I don't know if there's a lot of conversation happening around any of this. What do you see around these topics? So in the conversations, I would come across individuals who had medical debt or physical mm -hmm. disabilities that were mm -hmm. truly 100% outside of their control. And so I'm very empathetic to that. And so I'm not trying to say disregard circumstances. Circumstances do matter. But when I zoomed out from those individual conversations and started to aggregate the conversations and started to see the paycheck to paycheck as a mindset, then I started to become like curious, really. I'm like, well, then how does someone that's in a paycheck to paycheck mindset go to someone who is in a financial independence mindset. And one of the next questions in the survey that I would ask was, do you track and manage your finance? If yes, how, you know, if no, why? And that question began to unpack really the biggest issue maybe in our country. And the biggest issue might possibly be awareness. There is by and large, I would describe as almost like a fear to look mm -hmm. under the bed or there's shame or guilt, or there's some mm -hmm. sort of thing that is preventing individuals from becoming aware about their finances. So to go from paycheck to paycheck as a mindset to financial independence, where you can raise the sale, 
start to catch the wind, you're plugging the holes in your boat. It seemed like the step to take was awareness to even unpack that more as I had more and more conversations about the idea of becoming aware, simply just becoming mindful about your spending and tracking. As I started to get into that, I started to see that if we become aware and we take that step, what was needed was the courage to look at finances. So there's an empowerment piece, be it financial literacy, be it being in a community or having a reference group, like a group of individuals that you're looking at and you're referring to them as, hey, I'd like to be like that group, like you mentioned earlier, to really unpack it, to go from paycheck to paycheck as a mindset to financial independence was awareness and to have awareness, it takes boldness. It was, mm -hmm. I think, an amazing journey for me to personally experience and see. Mm -hmm. Wow, yeah, and going back for a moment on the trauma side, what I really wanna impress through that is the beliefs that can be birthed out of that. We live in a country where medical debt, there's a systemic major issue. <laughs> which I don't think we're about to unpack that right now. And like, there's a lot of political implications of some of these conversations and that itself can create its own trauma. But there's like these micro traumas that lead to belief systems that are so deeply rooted, often from very early ages. Then what you're bringing to light around this group of people that say is inspiring your own financial independence because they have it, the reference group, you know, it's expanding your subconscious to all of a sudden say, wait, I only knew this. This is what I only knew, living paycheck to paycheck, debt, whatever the situation is. Wait, there's something else available? Oh, these people that I can relate to in some way because they're also human, they've gotten themselves into, say, financial independence or financial freedom. And this is why I'm particularly bullish on 2023 and in the future and what you're working on is like, it's never been easier to learn ever, you know, and you have some great power amplifying the work that you're doing for your technology and there's others, but you know, you could get a financial plan through your app in what, a minute? Yeah, a minute and you have a financial pathway generated. What's amazing about what we're building, I pulled this from James Clear's book, Atomic Habits. Mm -hmm. He talks about we don't rise to the level of our goals. We fall to the level of our systems. And mm -hmm. I had a follow-on question where I take away all constraints. Income's no longer an issue, your circumstances, and we just talk purely about a person's dreams. I'll generalize it and say that everyone has a goal of having a million dollars. It might be a couple million dollars, it might be one million dollars, but there's this $1 million unit and every single person has the same goal, mm -hmm. but not every person has a million dollars. The difference appears to be the system. I'll just say it like this. I have a goal to have a million dollars. I have a system to have a million dollars. Which one do you want? When you think about it, you realize, wait, everyone has a goal to have a million dollars, or I'll say that every NBA team has a goal to win the NBA championship. Mm -hmm. But the team that wins is the team with the best system. 
So with damage, system that connects to the outcome is we've put a system in the hands of the people. And I think for 20 or 30 years, a lot of financial institutions have been building financial tools for financial people. Well, if half the population are not really interested in finance or not educated on it or not literate in the terms that they're using, then they're not going to use those tools. And I realize the world doesn't need another financial calculator. The world needs a financial companion. And that's what we've tried to build with Danny. It's an AI financial companion that gives you the answers for the next right step in your path. I love how you present the, that too with the next right step in your path. I think like in that example of the million dollars, like the outcome, the goal, the million dollars, there's tons of steps that have to be taken. And like you're saying habits also, and alignment with that system to get to that outcome of a million dollars. That's a journey. And once you get to a million dollars, you may want two or 10 or a billion dollars or whatever. And you may have a bigger family or a bigger community to serve or whatever that alignment is for you. And then you are saying step-by-step step in your process. So it's recalculating to, hey, now let's get you to your next milestone. You can't afford not to start that journey because as soon as you start the journey, the, you know, the next steps of the journey unfold. And if you haven't started, then you're not getting to those next steps. And again, I think that you're making this accessible to the masses in a way that's being done, but not very well, maybe, right? Like it's starting to be done. Like it still feels very early in this democratization of information where, you know, you could find out how to be a billionaire today. There's more millionaires being created faster than ever in the history of time. I have thoughts about our currency devaluation as a part of that, which we could table for another time, but you know, like you can do it and, and not, and, and for every, there's a story for every millionaire and billionaire from a rough beginning for why they couldn't ever get there and they figured it out and that was without information, right? That was 20, 30, 40 years ago where you couldn't have all these guideposts to say, do this, don't do this, do this, don't do this. And you're making it in two minutes to get you from your, where you are to where you need to be in that bite-sized piece that once you start doing that, <laughs> like you're going to keep doing it and it grows and you have that momentum in the winds game. I mean, the world has to look different when that's happening. And you've illustrated several times about the learning gap. And that's a huge part of what you do. I mean, a conversation like this is helping ping. Oh, prosperity. I could have that. Oh, ping independence, freedom. Wait, what? I can use my money in, in that way where five minutes ago, you weren't even thinking about it. So I'll share another piece that I guess happened in one single day and okay. I'm having the 101 financial conversations, but we also have the financial pathway tool that has been in beta testing. And so we've also done just over a hundred of those beta pathways and early stage before there was a system that you could go to on the website or, you know, with the mobile app that's coming out, you know, people can just do it on mobile. While we were in testing, I was personally doing the intakes and I would schedule them. I would schedule a 30 minute meeting on one day at nine o'clock. I had an intake. The young man was in college. He was just starting out and he only had expenses. He had no income and no savings. 
while I was talking to him, I realized, wow, he has to actually be quite vulnerable to share his financial information with me. Mm -hmm. And then 45 minutes later, the next person that I meet with had just sold their, their portion of the company that was sold was $14 million after taxes. Mm -hmm. And they had to be vulnerable to share their financial information with me. The takeaway was in a single day, the person with very little income or actually no income and only expenses and the person with multi-million dollars both had to be vulnerable for me to help them. It was just a moment where I realized, <laughs> wow, it really is taking that step of vulnerability. The reason that both of them met with me was that they trust me. So I think the marketplace has created a situation where if I need to go and meet with a financial advisor, in some instances, it requires blind trust. And I think the marketplace is no longer willing to just give blind trust into situations when on the news we're seeing that trust being taken away or that trust being violated in many instances. So I guess one of the questions I asked, I'd love to get your feedback on it, was I asked individuals, what is it that you trust or what gives you trust in a financial corporation? Oh, yeah. I mean, it feels like a joke to say FDIC insurance. Right. But that's like, right, like these different, okay, they have this, the licensing, oh, they have their licenses. Those are the first two things that come to mind. Some credibility on I'm talking specifically on the investment side, but you can run your broker check to see are there any pings on the broker check for a specific advisor. Like those are all activities that I would do, but it, it there feels like an underlay or an overlay of, of the blind trust that feels a little uneasy. For example, I was with a bank <clears throat> as a client for years and they had gotten in trouble for fees and opening too many bank accounts. And I was always through that still a client of the bank. And mm -hmm. I'm just like, oh, like, is something bad going to happen to me? Like, it's just this looming anxiety. And it's like, well, why don't you move banks? And it's because like, why would I move banks when I feel like they're all the same? <laughs> and that's just this feeling of eroded trust. Funny enough, got an email or a letter in the mail this week that was like literally from 2014 from the same bank that said, you know, we misjudged this claim and it may still be affecting you. You have 30 days to return this call, this letter and through a phone call. And it's just like, what? I'm getting a letter nine years later for a claim I filed about a fraudulent charge on an account that they did a like, and I, in some part of me, it's like, well, that's cool that they sent the letter. I'm just like, better late than never. Nine years later, it, it blew me away. And I think that's where the role of technology too, and transparency, you know, I, there's a lot to be discovered still with blockchain and cryptocurrency, but the role of transparency across any institution can help build back that trust, which I'm excited about. But definitely at least for me, it feels a little bit like a bottom could fall out at any moment. And you saw that, I think, what, three big banks at this point, second biggest failure in history. You know, I can remember that week, I had actually started an accelerator program that week. And as a participant and classmates were banking with one of the banks and there was high stress and 
it feels to me unbelievable. I feel filled with disbelief. How are we in 2023 with the most cutting edge technology of our lifetime? And these are still concerns. But I look across industry, I look across every sector going on right now, and I think the same, It's whether it's incompetence and fraud or a mixture of both, is certainly happening. And now you use tools like transparency to help that feel better. And I think at the heart of that is people being engaged around their own finances, starting to ask questions, starting to understand it, and having boundaries and saying like, I no, like I'm not standing for this, I am switching the bank, you know, I need that refund, whatever it is, but getting involved, getting engaged. And the only way that can happen is to be in it. So I think I answered your question. Yeah. Well, I'll ask you, I guess, what is it that you look for in a financial institution? Yeah, right now I have some of my investments with Elvest, which is a women's platform. Uh, I had followed Sally Krawcheck's career and admired her. Prior to her was a woman, Alexa Von Tobel, who ran and sold LearnVest to one of the big insurance companies. So that would be leadership. Uh, I look for leadership. I look for understanding of how they're running their business, like demystifying. Like I can see with Elvis, how they're structuring their investments. I can understand that they're accounting for women being a little different than men and the way they spend and the way they life cycle. So I like that. That feels good to me. It makes sense to me. You know, I'm thinking of my business banking, you know, they're accessible to startup founders. I like that. So some resonance in who I am, where I'm at in my phase of life and feeling that their mission and their vision, their leadership is aligned. And I'm a nerd, like I'm getting on webinars with the founder of the bank for my business banking, just to feel good about that. I think that's taking it maybe to a step further than a lot of people would go. But what I would add is just engaging with these different platforms, like the value add for Danny, for instance, like there's the actual app, like you can run your financial plan, being able to do that. There's a service need that is being met through that called your plan. And so there's other, I had been a part of financial gym for a while and they were instrumental in helping me clean up my debt years back. The the value add through the education piece is huge for me. Like I'll go onto Elvis website and read a blog post about something that I'm trying to figure out because they're a trusted resource. So there's infinite numbers of content and access to things online. But when you feel like you know and trust to some level, again, connecting that back to leadership, I would say values too that you can feel like, oh, I know what they have going. I also become a Dave Ramsey nerd. I'm just like him. I like how he talks and how he keeps it straight and truthful. At least it feels like that. His approach for some can be a little like whatever. You could criticize aspects of it. You could do that with anything. So truth, like I like to, I like truth. I like transparency. And that has just felt like a veil across financial industry that would keep things a little muddled. Like, oh, where are my fees? What am I being paid? Oh, internal fees. I didn't even know that existed. Like, cause it's not being displayed. And these were so criticisms when I was working in finance that I had, where I'm just like, why isn't this better, faster, more transparent? A part of that could be tech and the times, but we've arrived and like, this is what you're doing. One thing we talked about a little bit earlier was I mentioned there was almost three mindsets for lack of better words. There's like a paycheck to paycheck. Mm -hmm. There's a financial independence and mm -hmm. a, a financial freedom mindset. Mm -hmm. Well, one of the questions I would ask 
about financial freedom. So I would say, what is it that financial freedom means to you? And everyone had a little bit of a different answer, but every person in answering that question started the answer with the ability to, and then filled in the blanks. And so my takeaway was, wow, financial freedom is the ability to fill in the blank and be it travel, be it spend more time with family. Almost no one was the ability to retire. So it seems like the word retire is no longer really a word that's used in this current generation. Mm -hmm. And do you have any response to when I would say, I guess, what is financial freedom? And then individuals would come back with the ability to type of response. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm thinking of my own response to be, do, have, whatever I want, when I want, like through the means of financial financial means. That feels like you could add the ability to be, do, have, whatever you want, whenever you want. You get it. Yeah, so what, I, what sticks out to me is the mindset versus the ability to. We were talking about living paycheck to paycheck as a mindset. Mm -hmm. Do you feel like the ability to is also a mindset when you were doing the surveys? My takeaway was to really come up with almost a definition and uh -huh. it's not necessarily a mindset. It's, I guess it's almost like a simple definition, but financial freedom based on the surveys and based on my personal opinion, financial freedom is the ability to stop trading time for money if you want to. And to continue that on, it's then to pursue work that you're passionate about. So it's, to be able to do the work that your hands love to do or work that you feel gives you a sense of purpose. That was a loose definition of it, but it was really to financial freedom is the ability to stop trading time for money. If you want to, a lot of people want to just do work that's filled with purpose. I think what really sticks out is the ability. When you said the ability to, I'm like, financial freedom doesn't give you the ability to, because you always had that ability to. And so to me, what sticks out is you have circumstances that's creating an illusion that you don't have the ability to. And so that's the mindset shift is that I always have the ability to X, Y, Z. And now I'm rejiggering my life circumstance to be in that living expression of that ability to, and then with perhaps an outcome of financial freedom through all these steps. But when you said ability to, I'm like, we all have the ability to right now. And that what's often missing is vision, connection to vision through action. And that being that alignment, there's something there with the ability to that feels like I see what can happen in the paycheck to paycheck mindset is someone's like, when I get to da da da, da then I'm going to, and that's this is the biggest trap. If if this happens, then all it's like you can make these changes right now, and that's really the mindset, the belief work that a lot of people are not willing to do. We talked about courage on this session today too. It's like having the courage to make the hard changes, decisions, commitments to do something different. But that ability, we have the ability that lives within us. So I find it so interesting with financial freedom. It's like the ability to, it always existed within. And now, does that make sense? Like, I, I think there's something there to do some work with because this ability to, we have right now. 
So the tool that we're building is not a normal retirement planning tool. Really, it takes a high level of motivation to make what we're building work for you. So if someone wants to have a certain level of freedom and for that freedom to come through the assets that they build up, it requires them to, in the words of Dave Ramsey, you know, <laughs> live like no one else so that at some point they can live like no one else. And I'm a huge Dave Ramsey fan as well. I get totally what you're saying is like to live, to be, to do, to act, to have independent of your income in your job, making that happen. And that's what financial freedom in theory is. I would encourage people to think about the ability to and infuse their current life circumstance with those abilities and notice the magic that will unfold right there. You brought up retirement and I think how can retirement sediment not be shifting? You have pensions to what I believe we can fact check all this at an all-time low, like a traditional pension. You have entitlements, I believe at the latest count, being bankrupt in 11 years, right? So for someone like you and I who are sitting here at 36 and it's like retirement, it's like, well, now I'm an entrepreneur and a business owner. So I'm, I'm in charge of my retirement through not having a pension, okay? And then I just truly count out that there's gonna be any kind of retirement through the government, that that's not gonna be available to me. Maybe it will, and that could be icing on the cake. So what does that mean for my mindset? I've made some mental adjustments that may not be that healthy, I don't know, but I, I think that I'll live to be 160. And so with this mindset that I could live, so longevity all of a sudden takes on a whole new meaning, I'm not even a quarter way through my life. The downside of this is that retirement doesn't feel like a pressing conversation because I'm in theory like a 25 year old or even a 20 year old. Cause it's like, oh yeah, I'll get to it soon. We'll, we'll figure that out. Like things are just emerging, whatever. But yeah, I think that retirement, it, it feels like more of like an integrated lifestyle. Like how do you want to live your life now, later? Do you want to serve and earn an income through serving now, later, you know? And, and I think there's some unhealthy language around our retirement sediment where you have someone that could retire and like die the next day. I think a big football coach that happened to, I forget which one, but RIP and retirement is, is a different phase of life. But if you're creating your life <laughs> and creating lifestyles that work for you, you could be doing this the whole time. And so I encourage people at any age to be really thoughtful about what's the lifestyle they desire. How are they living in alignment to that? What changes do they need to live? And that this like almost honestly psychosis around retirement of like, oh my gosh, retirement, the positioning within our society, people would retire literally within, I'd say five years and die. Like now retirement is you could retire at 40, 50, 55, 30, whatever, and live another 50, a hundred years. That's a lot different than how retirement. So we're taking the old way of retirement and the old meaning of retirement and applying it now. And it's, it just doesn't, it doesn't make sense. So there needs to be an update in the language and the way we approach this and each person being in integrity with their desires and their lifestyle again, when they pull their head out of current circumstance and paycheck to paycheck, which this is not easy work. Like none of this is easy. And I would argue that at any income level or wealth level, it's like the same amount of courage needed to look at this stuff. And for the person making a million dollars a year, if they run up debt of 3 million, like they could be living in just as much stress as the person making 20K 
and it's going to express in the physical world a lot different, but those feelings and the lack of, of courage around that could actually all feel very the same. Uh, Lynn Twist writes The Soul of Money. It's a book that I love. And uh, if you like have an issue with rich people, quote unquote, I think it's a really beautiful read. And I think some of the, just the programming around all these topics are at a real detriment to each person taking a real honest look at themselves, at their life, at what they got going on. And, and courage is the big piece of that, that then the awareness into courage, into action. The last year where I was professionally working as a paraplanner, basically someone who makes financial plans for financial planners. And one of the plans that came in was a prominent plastic surgeon in the Tampa area. And her net income, so take away all taxes and the amount of dollars that she had to spend was $460,000. Mm -hmm. And I worked over the course with the advisor and with gathering her statements and we were very white gloves. So, I mean, I literally did everything. I went through all of the bank statements and put them into Excel sheets. I came up with that over the prior 12 months, she had netted $460,000 to spend, which you could argue is quite a lot of money to spend, you know, when you break that down to a monthly basis. Mm -hmm. And she had spent $580,000 in the prior year, racking up $120,000 of debt in that year. And it was really life-changing for me, honestly. And mm -hmm. it's part of why I'm doing the Danny project was mm -hmm. that everyone believes that at some point in the future, I will make more money. And when I make more money, I'm going to start saving and I'm going to start making up the gap, the time gap of all the time I didn't save. Mm -hmm. Well, the reality is the thing that the wealthy individuals that I'm interacting with and studying, all of them have one thing in common. Every single one of them spend less money than the amount of money coming in. It's the one thing that they all have in common. Mm -hmm. And you don't have to wait until you have a lot of money coming in. Actually, having very little money at the moment is a gift. You've learned how to live on a little. Mm -hmm. Now let's use all the amazing resource out there in the world and start to increase your income without increasing your spending. And there is where the magic is. I love that. And there's a sweet spot here in what you just said around spending being an opportunity for distraction and even addiction. But there's this behavior in that that I think when the values and the vision are not aligned, this just becomes one behavior out of many other behaviors that can cause and add a lot of chaos to one's life. So I look at this just as I would look at anything that could be detrimental to a person's overall well-being. That exact behavior pattern can cause tremendous issues. So when you get your spending under your income and simplify your life, what do you have less of? distraction, chaos, that addictive behavior. But if you're not paying attention to whatever that is, it could go somewhere else. So for some people, they may have been a heavy drinker and then now they have a money problem. Well, that was obvious if they weren't doing that underlying work. One of the greatest gifts I think any human can go through is like extreme simplification of spending and being with whatever discomfort or unrest comes up from that 
and identify, oh, whoa, like where am I directing my time, energy and attention in a conscious and aware way? And then that's going to directly translate to money and creating great habits, like looking at your expenses and engaging with your app, doing that regularly, earning more. But all these things, if you're just like avoiding completely and being in the chaos, in the distraction, I think that that story probably happens to most people. I think the latest stats are like 70% of people, irregardless of income level, are living paycheck to paycheck. So you have a ton of people that are living over their means a very small subset of people living under their means and we're living in a world that's glamorizing the private jet, the beachside villa, the whatever that's inspiring you to just spend more to look like you have more, but you're setting yourself back even further. I think it, it to me feels like a complete sickness. It's not well-being and to personally take ownership and go through that exercise of scaling way back. And especially for parents, I'm not a parent, so I'm not trying to shame parents. But I'm as a as a child, understanding modeling of my parents, you have a huge ability to impact your kids through your habits, patterns and behaviors. And so to do that through the way you use money and spend money and when they're seeing the 90th Amazon package come this week, that's a very clear impression that you're giving around consumer consumption. And it, often there's something else that's not being filled that we each can be taking ownership in our own life and come to terms with if we choose. I think there's a branding opportunity because no one likes the word budget. It's, it's really, it's like this dirty word. Mm -hmm. There's a real opportunity here to rebrand budgeting as mm -hmm. mindful spending and then to give and equip everyone with the tools to track and be aware of their spending. I think it's simplifying what used to be the budget into a mindful spending exercise of these are your needs, these are your wants, and these are your savings or your savings allocation. And simplify into that and then give people the tools to do a mindful spending exercise. And our theory is that if the why is strong, then the how becomes easy. And to follow that on, to give people the tools of mindful spending and starting to connect them, their finances with purpose and their purpose with finances. And I think we can find some very healthy change, what I call good financial hygiene, and begin to transfer that to people in our generation. I love it. The, I use financial well-being and it just like what's possible when that the, the amount of stress that's caused by money and this especially goes into relationships that affects your overall well-being you know you can't afford not to take a look at this and it being so simplified like you're saying we all get to choose how we direct our time energy and attention and there's tools like danny that make that a lot easier how lucky are we yeah. right 40 years ago it looked a lot different i mean it I hope our generation, the ones above and below, are feeling inspired because I know I am. Very cool. We'll close it out to, for today. And awesome. I appreciate your time. You got it, Dan. Thanks for tuning into our show today. Please like, share, subscribe, send to a friend, give the review. And always, if you have feedback, we want to hear team at lelalife.co. Feel free to email us and 
follow us on social. You can reach us there. Sending you blessings as always. Much love.